epistle lesson this morning comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, pursue hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be arrogant, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heat burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now I invite you to stand in body or in spirit for our reading of the gospel. Today's gospel lesson comes from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about five thousand in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Maria. Two weeks ago, when I uh, started this three-Sunday series on the scriptural way of salvation, I used two of my favorite scriptures. Last week, I used two of Pastor Maria's favorite scriptures. And today, I use 
at least one of Pastor Daniel's favorite scriptures, and that's the feeding of the thousands, where a little boy was found to have brought his lunch of five loaves and two fish, and that little boy was gifted with the capacity to change the world that day, and little is much when the hand of God is in it. It's a beautiful story. So thank you, Pastor Daniel, for uh, uh, helping me with that. Um, and what it does, it shows that each one of us is uniquely gifted. We all have some special talents and abilities to shape the landscape of life around us, and that's how I want to draw a conclusion to this plan of salvation that we've been talking about. If you haven't been here the last two Sundays, I'll review just a little bit with you. And if you would uh, repeat after me this plan, you know, I got to keep it simple for Gary Brooks. I got to keep it simple to, to get it into my mind and so I can rehearse it and recall it and remember it. And it goes like this. God created us good. God created us good. We messed it up. We messed it up. Jesus made it right. Jesus made it right. God's Spirit brings heaven to our soul. God's Spirit brings heaven to our soul. And today, it's God has uniquely gifted us to change the world. Would you say that with me? God has uniquely gifted us to change the world through kindness, inclusion, and truth. Would you say that? Through kindness, inclusion, and truth. Now, the way I remember that is KIT, K-I-T. Kindness, inclusion, and truth. Remember that. You can take that to wherever you go because God has gifted each of us with the capacity to change the world through kindness, inclusion, and truth. Yes. Um, well, hey, I've got a T-shirt on today. I've... Um, I warn it today because I'm proud to be a United Methodist. And if you don't know, there is a BUMC, United Methodist Church, campaign that is uh, uh, being conducted by our uh, annual conference. And if you go to greatplainsumc.org, you can find all kinds of resources about ways in which the United Methodist Church has been and will continue to be a vital force for uh, goodness kindness, inclusion, and truth in our world. And the reason I'm wearing it today is because I only get dressed once in the day, and I don't change clothes through the day, and I wanted to wear this t-shirt this afternoon because I'm going to Clearwater. Uh, there's a meeting at 2 o'clock at the Clearwater United Methodist Church, and it's a meeting about disaffiliating from the United Methodist Church. Fortunately, it's just an informal meeting, and uh, Pastor Kendall Utt had asked if I would come and represent the United Methodist Church. And there will be another pastor there who will represent the process of disaffiliation. <laughs> oh, it's kind of an interesting thing, because uh, I'll be there, and the other pastor, well, the other pastor was my American history teacher at Abilene High School, back in the day. 
We both went to the Abilene First United Methodist Church. We were both active in that church, and we both went to lay witness missions in the 70s and 80s. And it was at lay witness mission that he gave his life to Jesus Christ, and it was at a lay witness mission that I renewed my commitment to serve God in the United Methodist Church. And so now this afternoon I get to stand up side by side with uh, this child of God who is wrong. But I'm going to champion the cause of the United Methodist Church. And I, I, I want to talk a little bit about that because I believe God has uniquely gifted each one of us to change the world. And I believe that God has uniquely gifted Aldersgate Church to change the landscape of life. And the United Methodist Church has been a part of that. Do you know that the United Methodist Church helped found this congregation by appointing a pastor and sinking big bucks into helping us get started back in the 70s. Thank you to the United Methodist Church. The United Methodist Church has supported us all throughout our history and has appointed pastors here. You got me. But um, we want to say thanks to the United Methodist Church. You know, when we started the Renew Campus, uh, the United Methodist Church gave us hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that. And then when the Renew Campus folded, they didn't ask for it back because we made an honest effort. When we started Church at the Well years ago, <clears throat> the United Methodist Church gave us big bucks to help start that congregation um, that's because um, we believed in what we were doing, and we still do, even though those two efforts did not succeed. But I'm here to share with you that the new church start called Aldersgate United Methodist Church is one of the most thriving congregations in our connection that I know of. In fact, it is so thriving that when I retire, come July, I'm still going to be a part of Aldersgate United Methodist Church because I believe in what we are doing here and the lives that are being transformed here. Yes, I'll need to be uh, absent for a little while to give the new pastor lots of room to succeed. But my wife will continue to sing in the choir. Our kids will continue to be a part of the congregation because we believe in what God is doing here that God has gifted us. You know, uh, as a part of all of this, I haven't spoken too much about this issue of uh, disaffiliation and that kind of thing, but I'm speaking about it today because I think you need to hear where I'm at right now. I want to say thank you to you as an Aldersgate congregation for not taking a vote. We don't have to vote. We don't have to vote on whether or not to stay or leave the United Methodist Church because our administrative board and our people have determined to be a part of what God is doing in our world to the United Methodist Connection. And we decided not to take a vote, which means we will stay United Methodist because we believe in kindness, inclusion, and truth. We have been engaged in a battle for kindness, inclusion, and truth. We've got the left versus the right. We've got the traditionalist versus the progressive. We've got the conservative versus the liberal. And friends, do I have to really choose? There are times I'm kind of conservative, and there are times I'm kind of liberal. There are times I'm both and rather than either or. 
And the United Methodist Church is a connection in which we do not have to choose. We have a big tent, and we believe that everyone is welcome here. Now, this afternoon, if at any time, I am being called upon to give an account for the hope that is within me. The writer of 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an account, to make a defense, to give an account for the hope that is within you and do it with kindness and reverence. And I hope I can do it with kindness and reverence. You know, there's a lot of disinformation out there, and you've probably heard some of it. But I'm here to remind you that the United Methodist Church still believes in God. The United Methodist Church will always believe in Jesus Christ. You cannot join the United Methodist Church unless you believe and confirm that Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life. We still believe in the Holy Spirit, which means we believe in the Holy Trinity. We believe that God created us good. We believe in the Bible. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did I say we believe in the Bible? If you've heard to the contrary that the United Methodist Church has gone off the rails, that is disinformation. We have not gone off the rails. We are alive and well. Yes, we are in the sea of disaffiliation. There are churches all around us that have decided to disaffiliate. Asbury, Sedgwick, Bentley, Goddard, Cheney. New Covenant now has made a decision to disaffiliate. Norwich, Wellington. I could go on down the list. Yes, I am disappointed because a lot of them have been operating off of disinformation that the United Methodist Church is suddenly going off the rails, that suddenly, come next general conference in 2024, we're going to become so progressive that we'll have drag queens as pastors in every pulpit. I'm here to say that to place your faith in what is not yet a hypothetical situation is not a firm foundation on which to stand. General Conference in 2024, we've been accused of going unabashedly so liberal you won't be able to recognize us that we believe in anything. Uh-uh. The, the, those who have tallied it up, and there's one very progressive pastor who's done the math, and looking at the delegates that have already been elected to the next general conference, because of the African delegation and the number of traditionalists that are there, that the chances of anything passing of substance that would make our denomination go off the rails in some wild and liberal, ungodly fashion... The votes are not there. And in fact, we will not even be able to change the articles of religion. 
The Articles of Religion are the foundational documents in our Constitution, which mean that we will always believe in the Trinity. We will always believe in the virgin birth. We will always believe in, in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. We will believe in the power and the efficacy of the crucifixion of Jesus. We will believe that the Spirit will lead us into all truth. We will continue to believe the Bible. Yes, there will be some disagreements, yes. We do have some bishops that have disobeyed the discipline and the, the, those who disaffiliate would have us um, be reminded of that, that there are like about a dozen bishops in all of the 12 million United Methodists around the world who have uh, disobeyed the discipline. Well, let me tell you something. The three bishops that were United Methodists who have now disaffiliated and have gone to the Global Methodist Church, each one of them have broken their consecration vows and have disobeyed the discipline. I know of one especially because I used to work for him, and I am so disappointed that for a number of years, he has helped to form the Global Methodist Church and has worked on the United Methodist nickel to draw people away, including institutions as well as churches and annual conferences. And we have financed it all. Now, if that isn't disobedience of the first order, I don't know what is. Am I on a rant here? But I believe passionately about this. The United Methodist Church isn't going to the dogs, as you may have heard some say. And if, indeed, a lot more churches leave, it's still only going to be about 10% of the United Methodists in the United States. And that certainly isn't a mass exodus. And that is not a split. It is people deciding to disaffiliate. United Methodist Church isn't going anywhere. And you, by being a part of Aldersgate United Methodist Church, have made a decision to continue with kindness, inclusion, and truth to give witness to the power of God in our midst. All you got to do is, is take a look. Come on Wednesday night and come and attend the confirmation class of 18 young people. Confirmants, we got some confirmations. Raise your hand if you're in confirmation. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. We've got some proud confirmation students, and they are learning what it means to be uh, gifted with the capacity to change the world through the United Methodist Church. All you got to do is go down the hall on a Wednesday night and on a Sunday morning and witness the children's ministry, and you will see lives being transformed as we speak. All you got to do is take a look at the, the, the missions team and the goals for 2023 and all that we seek to do here at Aldersgate, that we are standing strong and we will continue to be a vital witness in a sea of disaffiliation, a vital witness for all that is right and good. Yes, there will be disobedience out there. 
Oh, there's some who uh, have called upon churches, United Methodist churches, to withhold their apportionment dollars out of protest for the United Methodist Church going off the rails. And those who recommend that are violating the discipline. It's happening. And like one pastor said, you know, job security for pastors is called sin. And it will continue to happen until Jesus comes. All you got to do is look around and take a look at the facts, and you'll find that no matter what side of the aisle you're on, it's not a very big number of people who are doing ecclesial disobedience. By far, the overwhelming majority of United Methodist disciples of Jesus are seeking to do the right thing. You know, we may never make it into the pages of Wikipedia or the Guinness Book of World Records. In fact, I hope to never make it into Wikipedia. <laughs> and our contribution to this world is not going to be found in the big news-grabbing things that we do. But it's found in those hundreds of seemingly insignificant decisions that we make every day to do the right thing, to be honest every time, to vote for integrity, to lift up the good, and to share an encouraging word or to give a hug to a hurting soul. All of these things add up to the picture that Jesus painted about moving mountains with the faith of mustard seeds. God's got a thing for this messed up world. And it's all in the gift of God's grace given to us through Jesus Christ and now through the power of the Holy Spirit which will teach us to remember the things that Jesus taught us and lead us into the truth about all of these things. And that Spirit has uniquely gifted each one of us to change the world. God has uniquely gifted us to change the world. Would you say that with me? God has uniquely gifted us to change the world through kindness, inclusion, and truth. Through kindness, inclusion, and truth. The United Methodist Church is not ashamed that we are a big tent. We're not ashamed to declare that all are welcome. We will continue to have traditionalists progressives, and everybody in between. We will have people on the left. We will have people on the right. We will have saints and we will have sinners. And they're all welcome in the United Methodist Church. Don't fall for the smokescreen that is being proclaimed out there to hide the injustice of keeping the LGBTQ community away from the gospel. Maybe that's all I have to say about that. Now, uh, I do want to say one other thing, that when we come to the time of communion, we remind ourselves that United Methodists have and will always have an open table.